Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a teacher. I'm an exercise scientist, a sports nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm strength field. I run strength field, powerlifter, and in about nine weeks here, soon to be Highland Games athlete again. Excellent. So, stepping onto the field. Nice. Uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm a faculty member at the Kerrig Institute, creator of the Flex Diet Cert, and in Alexandria, Minnesota right now, and giving uh, one talk today and then three practical sessions this afternoon. Nice. Yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Brian Hartzell, and I'm the new powerlifter. Okay. Slightly <laughs> professional, I guess. <laughs> Slightly professional. <sighs> yeah, so we got Brian on. I think Lonnie has a little bit of news, and then we're going to dig into Brian's past. Sounds good. Um, yeah, actually, I set aside the the science news just to focus. We have a listener question here, and any of you guys can offer your thoughts, of course. It's a little lengthy, but I, want, I wanted to get to it. There's multiple questions in it. It's from Michael. Uh, I'll just read this here. Hey, guys, a bit of background. 30-year-old male, been lifting since March 2014. I discovered your podcast maybe six months to a year later. Uh, I really love all your guests and the info they provide, the insight. Um, there's actual source material, documents, and the science behind everything. Uh, I started weighing 360 pounds, uh, very overweight all my life. I lost some weight during middle school uh, when I played football, but I've always struggled with my weights. Then I discovered heavy lifting, uh, starting strength, during a repito, of course, and the gains started coming. Uh, I competed in a couple of amateur garage powerlifting meets, and one official one, he says. Uh, right now, my main concern is just to cut uh, some more weight and really lose this body fat that I have left. I'm currently 245. So good on you, Michael. That, that's a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then he attached a picture. Uh, over the, the last two or three years, I struggled to lose the, that uh, last 40 to 50 pounds. It, I started really making sure uh, that I stay in a deficit, and it seems to help. Uh, but I'm a little unsure uh, what I should focus on as far as my macros. Uh, so that's one of his questions, I think, um, if we assume that you know he is, in fact, lifting. Um, he also goes on to ask, what are the benefits of green tea versus coffee uh, in the morning? And what's your verdict on sugar-free drinks like uh, Red Bulls, Coke Zero, Diet Coke, that sort of thing? And then he says, thanks again. I'd love to donate, but my wife and I are on one income and things are tight. Uh, do you have a main outlet that I can leave a review? Because I use Android, not iTunes, and I listen to CastBox, he says. Well, let me address that last one first, Michael. Iron Radio is free, man. Don't worry about it. That's, we have people who do step up when they can. And that's, it's just that public radio kind of format. You know, we're listener-supported so when people are, you know, on a tight budget like that, we're still here, right? So don't worry about that part for sure. As far as your other questions, um, 
Mike, let me ask you just quickly. What do you think about macros? He says he's still, you know, lifting heavy. What might you suggest for someone? Like, what do you have a general? I hate to say template, right? But do you have a yeah. general general approach to someone? Like, a, he's a big big dude, right? And he's trying to bring it down a little bit, but he is lifting heavy. What do you think about macros? Yeah, I usually will set protein anywhere from 0.7 grams per pound of body weight to one gram per pound of body weight, uh, especially if someone's kind of cutting. I mean, there are cases I'll go above that or below it, uh, but it's rare that I ever go below 0.7, right? And you've seen the literature, I'm sure Phil probably has too, that there's pretty good data to support that as probably the bottom end. Um, <clears throat> the fat is variable also depend upon their preference and what they like and things of that nature but anywhere from 60 to 80 grams which is definitely on the lower side i mean he's a pretty big dude he may be eating a fair amount of food so maybe 80 to 100 but i tend to go a little bit on the lower side and then carbohydrates man i they'll vary anywhere from 120 to three four hundred grams a day yeah um most people, if they're cutting, <clears throat> their carbohydrate amount is going to slowly go down. And you're trying to find the happy medium, the sweet spot between where your performance is still good, but your body composition is still improving. And there's obviously a ton of variations off of that. But I would say in terms of uh, a usable answer, that's probably where I would start. Yeah, I'm, I mostly agree with that. You know, I'm... I usually suggest roughly a gram per pound of protein. You know, it fills you up. Uh, a man's got to eat something. Definitely. You know. Yeah. Um, and fat, I agree 100%. And then on carbs, and we've talked about this with you, Phil, carbs are really what go up and down, you know, when you're mm, trying yeah. to gain and lose. If, if fat and protein are pretty stable, you know, if you want to lose, you got to limit those carbs in relation to workouts and, and things like that. Um, and not just go hog wild on, you know, j- purely based on your hunger levels or appetite. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And one thing I would add <clears throat> real quick that I've noticed, and maybe just the clients I've had more of late, um, it appears that people who kind of stall out, the thing I'm looking at now is also their aerobic capacity, even in people who are lifters. Mm-hmm. And if their aerobic capacity is really, really low, we're probably going to do some specific aerobic work or some GPP or something like that. And it's anecdotal, but I've noticed over the last couple of years that that really seems to help. And I don't think it's just a, a calories burn type no, thing. Right. I think it's your, you're feeling your aerobic metabolism, which is what's working most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I still want them to lift heavy and do things like that, of course. Um, but I've just put a more of an emphasis on that and, so far, everyone seems to be getting better results from that, too. Yeah, I tell students all the time, I said, you know, aerobic base, people who are very yeah. fit aerobically, they're better fat-burning machines, right? I agree. Totally. It's, it's the adaptations. You got more mitochondrial furnaces and all of those muscles, you know, and put them to use. You know, burn some fat, baby. So, yeah. um, um, I'd just add, I mean, he's lost 115 pounds. Yeah, it's, that's it's It's going to slow. You know, yeah, the yeah. rate you're going to lose at is going to be much slower now than it was 115 pounds ago. You know, that's just like me. I mean, I lost. I'm down 34 pounds over the last three weeks. Oof, it's it's going to creep. You know, it's going to creep now. <laughs> right. Because right. I, basically I lost all the bloat and stuff like that from eating like a complete asshole. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, basically he probably did the same thing. He had a lifetime of 
inactivity and eating too much and you know he lost the easy stuff and now i i didn't see the picture so i don't know where he's at now how lean are we talking this and that at 245 because mm-hmm. i mean in my gym 245 is an average lifter that's mm-hmm. in pretty damn good shape and pretty lean mm-hmm. so <laughs> mm-hmm. um and where where your goal's headed you know if you're like i want to be big and strong this and that um Maybe you don't need to lose much. You just need to concentrate on hard work and eating right, you know, and let that let that pan out in the end. I mean, I don't know how strong this guy is. He says he does a couple meets, but that doesn't mean, you know, I mean, yeah. if he's wanting to put up seven, eight hundred pounds in the squat and deadlift, then yeah, you probably don't want to lose much more. <laughs> so <laughs> good point. Yeah, it just depends on where he's at, you know, where he's looking to go. So yep. Um, <clears throat> Just so we can get to um, Brian here just quickly. Benefits of green tea versus coffee. I'd have a little bit of each, bro. I mean, those are a lot of antioxidants. You'll get stuff like EGCG in the green tea. Some of these things are supposed to boost your metabolism, different, you know, um, phytochemicals, antioxidants, stuff like that. Coffee's loaded with them, too. Um, I've, I've always liked coffee ramping up to a workout. And I know, Michael, you're talking about having it more so in the morning. Uh, my only caveat for the morning is if you get too wired in the morning then you'll come down you know like after lunch and it looks like you train in the afternoon based on your email so then you could actually be trying to train when you're sort of crashed off the caffeine so you got to be kind of save it a little bit for go time you know if you're going to do that um and then as far as what's the verdict on sugar-free stuff uh, I know there's a lot of stuff out there about how artificial sweeteners can mess with the you know your gut bacteria and you know, maybe they're not so good overall. Uh, my default, uh, and we've had people on the show before that had different opinions on this, right? So you have to decide for yourself, I think. But my default has been that sugar-free stuff, if you are if you are trying to control your carb intake and you're trying to get high fructose corn syrup out of your life, they're more good than they are bad, uh, in my opinion. If you can just drink unflavored coffee and green tea and that kind of stuff good on you god go that route you know but if the artificial sweetener really does uh it's the key to keeping you from chugging down the like i would never be chugging down um unless i was depleted or trying to gain or like phil says just you know recklessly um i don't think i'd be chugging down high fructose corn syrup as the calorie source you know there's just not much justification for it oddly enough even oddly enough even when i'm eating up that's one mm-hmm. thing I stay away from still. I just don't do it. I just mm-hmm. don't do the the sodas. I just <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. But okay. I seem yeah. to really like adding that Mio water flavors into all my waters, and it helps me make sure I get enough fluids in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does matter. Yeah, if it tastes good, you know. And last thing I would agree with Lonnie too. I think I got this from you originally, Lonnie. Is that trying to move your taste buds over time to things that are a little bit more bitter? Because that will, over time and habit, kind of drive you to things that have less calorie. Like you are saying, Lonnie, kind of plain green tea and black coffee. And can you get the same level of enjoyment from that? I'm not saying deprive yourself just to do it. But, you know, over time, months, weeks, years, you know, can you enjoy things that are a little bit more bitter? I've just noticed that people who tend to be leaner tend to like things that are more bitter overall. Yeah. And and just the overall concept, you can retrain your palate, you know, not Definitely. to want the sickly sweet stuff. You really I mean, I can tell you about about 12 weeks into a 20 24 week diet when I've done that kind of thing, I actually become quite comfortable with just chicken and vegetables and you know, don't really 
want tons of cheese curls and Coke. And, you know, uh, you, you do train yourself away from it, too. One last thing, and then I'll turn things over to Phil. Uh, as far as his photos, Phil, uh, he's muscular. He's doing, like, a back double biceps and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he looks like he's got a fair amount of muscle mass. And um, so I'm with you. I mean, if his goal, uh, Michael, if your goal really is strength, I wouldn't sweat it too much. I mean, yeah. you know, you're you could clearly see his deltoids and you know the taper down to his lower back and stuff like that. He's got some mass on his upper back. I mean, if you really want to be strong, uh, you know, Fortress always used to like almost rip on people who were trying to be wasp wasted and and be strong as hell. It, I, I just don't think those things go together very well. So, yeah. So that's that's pretty much yeah. it. All right. We're going to get to Brian. Brian Hartzell is on the show. So if anybody's not uh, familiar, Brian became what? What was it? The fifth man we figured out to fifth or or sixth to uh, deadlift and squat over 900 in the same meet. Wow. This was about three weeks ago. And maybe I'm thinking the first one to do it without a belt on the deadlift. So because I'm not sure anybody's ever done that without a belt. But uh, oh. Yeah, so that's who we got on the show. Um, but let's get, I mean, we basically always start with, you know, what got you into, what are your origins as far as strength training or just exercise? Well, I've been going to the, the Y here in town since I was probably 21. Okay. And I was always interested in bodybuilding. That's, you know, that's what got me into it. But I was always doing my squats and my bench and my deadlift, probably deadlifting more than every seven days when I was younger. And I was, you know, I've always been really good at all the power lifts. So uh, I think it was about two years ago, my buddy, my buddy Pat Sells talked me into doing a my very first meet, and that was at uh, wherever JP's JP Price's gym was, and uh, yeah, I put up some pretty good numbers there. So that was that was kind of the start of it. <laughs> What's Would you pretty come good? In? Oh God, Brian came in there that day because I was there too. In his wore out running shoes, no belt, and what'd you do? No knee sleeves too. Don't forget. No that. knee sleeves. Yeah, <laughs> no knee sleeves. Yeah. So he just yeah, just himself pretty much. And what'd he you had do? Seven sixty five squat and hmm. uh, I think I ended up benching five oh whatever it was the the first number in the fives, but I I got a miss rack command. So I missed that, but I ended up with like a 570 or a 470 bench press, and then I deadlifted 804 or 803, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So 9, 10, 11. <laughs> it was like 2030, I think. Yeah. For a total. So yeah, a, a first total of 2030. So yeah. yeah, and that's when, I mean, we were all standing around there. I was at the meet, I had a bunch of lifters there, and I was like, I was coaching Pat at the time, his friend. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, holy crap, where are you hiding this guy? And everybody, <laughs> everyone in the meet was like, where did this guy come from? So, uh, yeah, and, and you see pictures of you. Now, you always weren't – Brian's a big guy. What are you, 6'4"? 6'3". 6'3", 375 at the last meet. Yeah. So, and you see pictures, and it wasn't that long ago you were much smaller, correct? Yeah. I mean, before I met my wife, I was – you know, that was about five and a half years ago. I was two two seventy five or two eighty, but now I'm about a hundred pounds heavier than that. Wow. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of powerlifting strength weight, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's different. 
for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, to put this in to put your size in perspective, what are your thighs now? I don't know, thirty-two inch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, the size of my waist. Yeah, so <laughs> you got two mics on each each of your each of your body. <laughs> right, but, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in high school and whatnot, the first thing I saw when I saw you was like, why is this guy not in football or something? Why did, I mean, did you ever play sports as a, in high school or anything? She ran cross country one year. You ran cross country. Oh, good. So I always kind of had a, a hate relationship with football. <laughs> it was, it's just not my thing. I didn't like, yeah. you know, coach would say, Brian, get mad at and go and hit somebody. And I was like, I can't be mad. I'm a hugger. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm just not a, not my type of sport. I always played golf, and I ran cross country my junior year, and I was I was kind of weird looking because I was the biggest guy out there. But Le- leaving potholes as you run, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. And that's one interesting thing I want to talk about is you know you see a lot of powerlifters, and you see a lot of ammonia and smacks and screaming and yelling, and you know you lift your best when you're calm and joking around. I mean. Mm-hmm. Do you think – one thing I've always wondered, uh, coaching you, is what – do you think you could get angry and harness mm. that? Maybe if I had the right music going. Yeah. But angry, I, mean, I don't know. I, one time I tried it, I was listening to some Lamb of God. And the, oh, there you go. The, uh, the music really dropped, and I got too amped up, and I, I forgot how to deadlift. But I still <laughs> doing like <laughs> – I don't remember what I was doing. Eight eight thirty five deadlifts for three, and I, I just my form just broke down. I just had too much adrenaline going. Yeah. It, it, it looked really weird. Yeah. No, I mean by far you're the calmest lifter I've seen, especially with heavy weights. I mean, going after the nine hundred whatnot, you'll just come up and kind of move the chains and wave at the crowd, and then did nonchalantly walk it out and squat. Um, and you know things like I mean people don't understand. Like you said, the first meet, you didn't have sleeves. It was a little bit of a battle to get you in sleeves, and then I tried wraps on Brian once, and he yelled at me and made me take them off. Um, <laughs> what is it? I mean, you're, you're, you say it's it's just it's painful. It's this and that. I mean, is there more to that than, I just, than sleeves? Do you have an interest in doing wraps ever? Do you? Uh, I just feel kind of like a raw elitist of sorts, where I just – I'm really more interested in the, what the human body can do by itself. Mm-hmm. And I would consider, you know, knee sleeves about as naked as you can be. Yeah. And, and I, you know, if, if you're going to start using knee wraps, in my opinion, what's going to keep you from doing like a equipped past that? And where do you draw the line on what the, what the body can do and what the equipment can help you do? Yeah. So I just kind of always like that naked lifting so yeah. we did finally get you into some better shoes though mm-hmm. so <laughs> i remember we went to record breakers and mark bell was filming it and then he did a show after he's like here comes this guy in some shoes that he just mowed the lawn in <laughs> <laughs> literally he had like grass stains all over him <laughs> i kind of wore those down there on purpose just because it kind of messes with everybody yeah and you, you know, see, people see people see that guy walking out with his mowing shoes on, and I remember at Record Breakers my 815 opener, and I smoked it, and I had a 
Oh, who who's that guy that squatted right before me? Do you remember? Oh, Matt. Matt. Oh, uh, Matt winning. Matt winning. Matt. Yeah. He he'd struggled up an eight oh five or something, and here I did eight fifteen like it was nothing. I think yeah. he left. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. And yeah, the the shoes were just crying. They were like the really, <laughs> the really soft soled, squishy, and you see them with well, they have a three hundred and seventy pound man and eight hundred and fifteen pounds oh, on them. Oh, oh. The soles just it looks like a gummy bear that's just got stepped on. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I had never witnessed it before, but when I walked that first squat out, that 815, I actually felt my soles start to squish on me, and I thought it was the mats that they had yeah. at that meet, but it ended up just being my shoes. It kind of yeah. almost almost fell walking that yeah. first squat. So, um, you know, where, where do you think, honestly, in your opinion, you know, you've done nine, you've done nine, you've done over five. I mean, bench is definitely the spot we need to work on, which is a shoulder issue. But, I mean, where do you think you can go? I mean, you're fairly young still. You're new to this, four or five meets. I mean, in your mind, what's the limit? Well, I kind of got my eyes set on the 2,400-pound total next. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably going to do the tribute meet again down in San Antonio this year. So, you know, I was I was really hoping I could put up a 950 squat and a 530 bench and a 930 deadlift. Nice. So that's, I mean, that's my goal. You know, and just, that's, to, just to get that deadlift up and maybe be, you know, a 930 deadlift would be oh. eighth or ninth effort. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe higher than that. There's a probably, lot of guys... 910s and the 920s but 930s kind of yeah and that's that's one thing people don't understand all these well now there's been several thousands pulled but never in a full meet (laughs) so you start getting in a 930 in a full meet after squatting nine plus right that's huge man that's really big so i mean i don't think i don't think people the general population doesn't understand that how much how much a big squat can take out of you but if you get a squat and you end up folding over too much well then there goes all your tightness in your back that you're trying to save for the deadlift yeah so yeah you guys got any questions before we go to the uh topic you know i have one for you brian obviously you have a a huge amount of raw talent what what do you think it is what do you think that makes i mean you're a big dude that's obvious but there's a lot of guys that are big dudes that don't you know (laughs) Uh, have 900 pound performances times two in a meet and stuff like that. What do you think that you were born with, or, or you know, obviously you have a different style uh, as far as your outlook and and that kind of thing. Um, what is it that you that you think makes you you know different or able to do this? Um, you know, I was always pretty strong. Even in high school, I was I uh, I pulled a 6:35 deadlift in the trap bar because that's what everybody used in high school is the trap bar for deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, ever since I'd started bodybuilding and doing my deadlifts every day or every week, my, you know, my form was always kind of different. I just did whatever worked for me. And I, that was way back before Instagram or I, I didn't even follow any power lifters. So I had no idea what anybody's form looked like. I just kind of did what worked for me. Yeah. My deadlift form, you know, my uh, my setup, it's kind of weird, but it, it's it's just what works for me. 
So no, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, why, why one 380 pound guy can do one weights and another guy can't. I, I'm not, I don't really understand it all. But. I, I have to think a lot of it because just because my past in this and all the people I've worked with generally my lifters that are better were athletes before or into about or into bodybuilding or this and that. And they've just prior to powerlifting, they built an amazing base. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was lots of lifting and lots of training before that. And they come into it with this, this huge athletic base or just muscle built base, not from lifting maximally, but just lifting. And then, and now we can take that and turn it into something pretty amazing. So I have to think, you know, that your years of, of bodybuilding and just the base you've built has to be a huge help. I mean, yeah. I, like you, the, I like to talk about the mind muscle connection. Cause I think that's kind of important, especially for powerlifting. You know, I want to go and work my uh, lower back out doing a back extension machine or something. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know how to focus the specific muscles out properly so they can work just what they want to work. Or if I'm doing a, uh, rows, barbell rows or dumbbell rows, some people kind of turn it into a deadlift. Mm-hmm. They'll deadlift it up and then kind of shrug it. And, you know, I kind of like to do more focused moves so I can work on the, the muscles that I'm actually trying to work specifically. And I well, think which- that's, that kind of translates over into powerlifting because you, you know, you can, you can think if you get stuck on a squat, you know, and you're a little a little forward or a little backward on your on your stance, well, then you could get your hamstrings or your quads more in there mm-hmm. to try to balance you out. I think that's that's kind of important, just knowing how to fire all the muscles separately. Well, and it totally makes sense on your assistance moves. I mean, as well. I mean, I think generally people, and this is kind of merging into the topic of the day, but people attack their attack their squat. Let's say it's squat day, they attack it, and they try and take that same mentality into assistance work. And that's not the way it needs to be, you know. Uh, I mean, you don't need to be going. I'm going to a max five bent over row. No, let's not. (laughs) Right. Well, let's just get some work in, man. You know, you've only got so much of that in you. So, you know, I've often thought about the the differences. You know, one of the key differences to me, and it sounds like this is a complimentary way to look at it with you know what Brian is doing, but is. You know, with bodybuilding stuff, it's muscle uh, focused, and with powerlifting, mm-hmm. it's movement focused. You know, but yeah. I, it, it, it's a good point. Like, there's all those co- cool studies about when you get coached to engage more triceps in the bench press, you can mm-hmm. actually get more like EMG activity, electrical activity in your triceps because you're being coached to do it. You know, and it sounds yeah. like Brian has that mind in the muscle thing that maybe some powerlifters haven't um, experienced to the same extent. You know. Yeah, or benching through your lats. I can't explain to you how hard it is to get somebody to use their lats on a bench when they have no idea how to use their lats. You know? Yeah, lats are a tough so, one, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or they have no lats to flex. It's like, well, no, yeah, I, can't. Right. I can't do it because I don't have any. You know? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think it's also important that just uh, doing all the accessory moves and making sure you get all the blood pumped into your muscles for recovery. Yes. You know, I've been hitting a lot of 20 rep sets this month and I, I think that's important just you know it keeps your connective tissue healthy and you're not always pushing it down to sets of five yeah you know just keeping those muscles full of blood and that you know that's what pumps the nutrient around so 
Well, not to mention, like you said, connective tissues. There's only so many. I mean, you can attest to this. Like after a meet, you're just ready to not lift heavy. <laughs> so, I mean, generally you're just achy all over the place because you've had months of just lifting heavy. Um, not too heavy, which was that's that's what we we're going to talk about. But that was kind of surprising. Yeah. Let's we'll go ahead and roll into the break here, and then we'll come back with the topic of the day and let Brian just lay it out there. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. <laughs> Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back. And our topic of the day today is going to be um, – I, I posted something about this the other day. But basically, I think the biggest mistake that most strong people do is they train too heavy too often. And you know, one thing that we do and one thing that Brian does is you don't have to let it all out there in training to, to do it at a meet. I mean, Eddie Cohn talks about it. You've only got so many – you've only have so many heavy lifts in your lifetime. Do you want to do them on Instagram or on the platform? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's one thing we're going to talk about. I'm a big proponent I'm of is let's push your 80% up. If I know that's still moving, we don't need to max, you know, and, and all of our maxes in the gym are generally done in, in perfect form. That's what we're looking for. 
And now on the platform, things might go. Um, let's let's flesh this out a little bit, Brian. You want to talk about it some? Sure. Well, I mean, let's just talk about this last meat prep. I, I hadn't even squatted in the 700s until I think it was about two months out. Yeah. We were doing a lot of 675, 85s, 95s. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't remember what it was for, sets of five. Yeah. Something like that. And yep. you know, I think that two months out, we were doing box squats for singles. Yeah. Or, you know, it was like a max five, max three, max one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was, you know, two months out in that last uh, box squat I, I did. That was my uh, first time I'd even been in the 800s. And I did an 865 box squat with a mm-hmm. positive. And, you know, and that deadlifts too. I, yeah. I don't done one deadlift in the 800s. All of that meat prep, and I still pulled that 903. So I, it's kind of magic, if you ask me. Yeah, just, and just do 80 percent deadlifts and get your grip strong enough to do a 904. Yeah, but you know, I like I like doing those 765 deadlifts and just practicing form and making sure that my knees don't go soft because that's kind of always been a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when people don't, it's just like I touched about on there. It's like even when we're doing the, like people call it conjugate style or whatnot, where we're doing a five, a five this week, three next week, one next week. It's not to a true max. It's still something we crush. <laughs> you know, like when you hit that 865, it was solid. You know, yeah. I mean, so and you don't need to, one thing I preach is we, we just don't miss in the gym. You don't fail. There's no need to go to that. Um, we know, like with Brian, he crushed 865. Well, we know there's more. He crushed it. Why do we need to go up? You know, and you're just risking injury, you know, and things like that. So now, let's say next meet prep, he can hit an 885 in the same move and just as easy. Well, we know you're stronger. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. So, I mean, why do we need to go to 930? When we know that his, you know, he crushed the, a 20 pound heavier weight in the same move. So, um, it saves your joints some. And I mean, the only thing that potentially could, could miss you. And that's, so I'll do walkouts with heavy weight. Like I'll walk out a weight that I want to hit in the meat and that's it. I won't go for it. Um, and part of it has, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with just mentality. If if you're in the gym and you know nothing but crushing weights, you haven't missed in a year and a half, you generally come in pretty confident because that's all you do. Whereas I see people who train to failure a lot and they they know failure. They're, they're friends with failure. So um, it's easy for doubt to slip in their head if they failed a lot, if that makes sense. And what do you guys think about that? Plus, I think from a motor learning standpoint, it's like what are you training your body to do? <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're literally – failing and missing weight a lot you're literally training your body and your nervous system to miss weight you know it's like almost like a a bad habit it's why i don't play golf anymore because i would be worse you know (laughs) or if you're hitting every single one right so heb's law right neurons that fire together wire together that's literally all of your brain your nervous system your body knows because that's all it's experienced yeah yeah, and that's a that's I think that's a big part of it. But uh, um, I mean, what else we got? Assistance work, like I talked about. I think most of it we we did on a uh, you know a bodybuilding type type template, and then just addressing your weaknesses. Like your biggest was probably your grip and the deadlift, correct, mm-hmm. Ryan? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's my weakness anymore. No, I don't think it is either. But it really <laughs> works for me. And I've really, uh, probably, uh, bench. Bench is still my weak spot. But, you know, squats, squats always really scare me leading up to the meet because you haven't squatted in 10 days. You're taking your little deload. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, leading up to this last competition, I was like, damn, I hope I can remember how to squat. <laughs> I was worried. Yeah. You know, and you start doing warm-ups, and you, you hit 500, 600, and you're like, okay, I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. then, I don't know, it's, it's kind of scary for me do, getting up there and doing a, a pretty big opener on the yeah. special squats. Yeah. Just because uh, first lift of the day, but also it's – kind of sets the tone for the rest of the squats. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's why squats the toughest. I mean, it's just, it sets the tone for the whole day. You know, if you come out there and shit the bed, oh, boy, now I'm in trouble. Now if I miss number two, oh, now you're really yeah. in trouble. It was so, like that at Tribute. You remember that? I missed that 875 opener I wanted to do last year, and then came yeah. back and it. Yeah. And then came back and crushed it, but uh, it's uh. It can be a real mind battle there on that. And I think, you know, that maybe right now as far as, as, as meets go for you, it's getting you to relax because mm-hmm. you start, you can tell when you start thinking about the squat and you're not dancing around and having fun and joking with people. And mm-hmm. then like at this meet, Eddie Cohn and, and Dan Bell came up and they're like, just go out there and have fun. And now mm-hmm. you come out there and crush the 903. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, don't let yourself get out of, get out of your norm you know you gotta your training and your meet day should be about the same if you're normally having fun in a meet then let's go out there and have fun you know that's all it's about so yeah it makes sense you know what little i know about sports psych you know the some of the major approaches are either associate and really hyper focus and get into what you're doing or some people in some you know situations they dissociate and it yes. almost sounds like Brian does a little bit better by just dissociating, having fun, and then just being very, you know, in the now and just just go do it, sort of matter of factly, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It was like that with golf. I mean, interestingly enough, when I'd go golfing and I started to take it too serious, then I'd always start playing bad. Mm. Yeah. When you're just having fun and joking around, well, then you, you don't think too much about your swing and you just kind of do it, hit the ball. <laughs> you know, that was some of my best rounds of golf. It was just always when I was having fun. And I think, you know, it could be it could be exactly the same with the powerlifting. Yeah. yeah you've got so. that program pretty much unconsciously programmed. You just don't want to consciously hose it up, right? You want to do whatever you can to execute that unconscious program that you spent all the, the time and the reps and everything and already trained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think that's where people mess up is they thinking – like we're talking about, you're thinking about your swing or you're thinking about your squat. Like I do very well of getting pretty hyped up. I don't need people smacking me around or anything. It's all internal. But when I go to the platform, I'm not thinking about bend my knees, push knees out. I'm not thinking about anything about any of that. I'm just in the zone. Yep. You know, that's, that's, that's unconscious. <laughs> you know, I don't hear people. I don't, and I just do it. You just react. At that point, you just rely on the thousands of reps of training. I think most of your thinking should be done probably under 80%. You know, you start yeah. getting eighty percent, and it's time to just do it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get really heavy, I, I I feel like on squats, I'm not even there. Yeah, 
you know, I was going to ask you guys, do you not remember your lifts? Like you remember going up and then you just remember afterwards, but you don't remember the lift in a meet. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. remember yeah. Much at all. Yeah, yeah. Not what went on. I know I did it. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember before, you know, coming up to the platform and then I don't hear anything. The only thing I will ever hear is my wife. And I think that's just because my mind's programmed to hear it. So you'll have 200 people screaming and I can hear her. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Stevens. Right. <laughs> you're trained. You're trained to listen to that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Or my kid. My my yeah. my kids. I'll hear them. But it's just because my mind is so trained to that. Um. But uh, yeah. I don't see people. I don't. And that's that's what's weird to me. The people that are doing meets for the first time, they're so worried about the crowd. It's like I don't even see them. Yeah. <laughs> they're not there. It's me in this bar, and that's it. So. Uh, yeah. I remember the one meet I did a long time ago. I was this is the last uh, doing the deadlift portion, and there's this one lady in front, and I didn't even know her, but she's super nice and super cheering. And I remember right before the deadlift, there was yeah, like maybe a hundred people there. I don't remember hearing anything. I don't remember the music. I don't remember anything else. But for some odd reason, I just remember her saying, "You can do it." And then I made the <laughs> lift. And at the end, I didn't even remember if I had to look to see if I even made the lift. I didn't remember anything, yeah. <laughs> anything else. <laughs> you know, you guys, this reminds me a lot of um, something they actually teach in kendo. When you face somebody, you know, uh, the cheesy way to look at this is like even in the last samurai movie, he says, no mind. You know, and he says, what do you mean, no yeah. mind? And he says, well, you have mind on the crowd, mind on your own hands, mind on your opponent. Just have no mind. And that's yeah. kind of almost an Asian philosophy, I think. But the, it's that's what you guys are describing, right? Is you go into mm-hmm. a zone and, like Phil, you or uh, you know Brian or all you guys, you stand up with the weight. <laughs> Here's the weight. Yeah. Squat down with it and stand up. I and, mean, and literally at that point, that's really what it is. You see a bunch of people, they'll come up and a lifter will miss a weight, and they're telling them seventeen hundred cues of how to fix oh, it. That ain't so gonna bad. help. That's not gonna help. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, all you're going to do is muddle their mind. So it's just go out there. Let's have fun. Let's do this. You know? <laughs> right. So. You know, I had one thought about maybe one of the differences between you, Phil, and Brian. You guys can speak to this a little maybe. But, um, you know, Brian, you were talking about how taking that deload, that taper, you know, you haven't done that lift for over a week. And you're it's a little bit in the back of your mind like, do I remember how to do this? Um, And I agree, your body will remember, but I guess my question partly is for Phil on this is, do you think, you know, decades of training, does that still happen? Do you, or or do you're like, no, I'm just such a, you know, veteran that that deload period, it doesn't even cross my mind that I've forgotten how to do this. No, I don't worry about it. The only problem that I've seen recently in years is I'm... I'm almost too relaxed coming into a meet because I've done them so many times. It's 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 hard for me to like. There's no nervousness and almost like the excitement is not as high as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna stand up in front of these people and squat. It's like okay, I've done this like 97 times, <laughs> and uh, yeah. so it's almost gotten hard to get myself up. You know, whereas before it was automatic. It was like oh shit, I'm stepping out here in front of all these people. I'm gonna squat. So um, I have to get myself in the zone. Um, whereas before it just happened. So, mm-hmm. um, that's probably the only problem I have is I'm not nervous at all. I mean, I'll, I'll be the, I'll go joke around and, and that's, that maybe it's the opposite of Brian. I start joking around and having fun and that's not how I train best. I train best, very focused and losing myself and getting pretty amped up to where inside yeah. there's a really big fire burning, 
you know, yeah. and I, I need to get that to do my best. So that's probably the only issue I have with, with years of it. So I think this prep, I, I'm, I'm going to try getting a little more amped up for my lifts Uh-oh. in, in practice. I mean, I still want to have fun, but you yeah. know, if, if I want to, uh, maybe not back slaps, but you know, maybe having somebody scream at me a little more, yeah, might work a little bit better just to help me kind of get in the zone. Mm-hmm. Because it, it seems like sometimes my problem is I'll get up to the squat and I'm just not ready for it. Yeah, but I feel or like if you, if you got somebody screaming in your ear and that's a stimulus you remember from practice, well, then it maybe gets your adrenaline going and your mindset where you need to be. And not thinking about the heavy squat. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, related to that, what do you guys think of this? And Brian said he's a big hugger. Like between, you know, the the squat and the bench or the bench and the deadlift, he has a a mandatory hugger number that he has to hit to keep him relaxed. (laughs) (laughs) I'd given Ed that hug after my deadlift. Oh, yeah. I was like, I hope he wanted a hug. Yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have a choice. Because he got he one. Getting, yeah, yeah. I don't think he has a choice then. <laughs> I think you posted about that. Somebody was like, you know, you were like, he didn't have a choice. I was coming in. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. But. I, know, I just, it's kind of helps, helps you relax a little bit. You give people hugs and it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be a certain person at a meet. You don't need to be too cool to mingle or give people hugs oh, or yeah. anything. You know? Yeah. 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 I had one other question. You said that your grip strength was a weakness and now you feel that it's not. Uh, for both of you guys, what did you do to train that? Everything. So, Everything? <laughs> well, number one was d- ditching straps. Okay. You know? I mean, before when you were doing bodybuilding stuff, you used straps a lot, right, Brian? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was ditching that, throwing in some farmers' walks and things like that. Yeah. Um, so just just using it, really. So mostly <laughs> a lot of supportive grip work then. Yeah. So okay. and then just deadlifts themselves, like you said, going sure. for. It, it sounds strange for most people, but like seven sixty-five is a nothing lift. So lots of those. So. <laughs> Did you do a lot of? Um, like both palms down, so to speak, like pronated work or no, did you not, do mixed I, grip or I don't do a lot of that with people. Okay. I, mean, I do a lot of their grip. They use in the meat. It's like, that's sure. what you make strong. Generally I have people warm up double overhand, but okay. once, once they're at a point we swap out, like yeah. for me, it depends, you know, it's my grip honestly used to be better on, not on deadlift. It's just as good as it ever was. But on other things, like we did farmers the other day, and I used to be able to do 700-pound farmers, and I think we did 500-pound farmers. I was like, wow, that's really hard. Mm. And so my grip, as far as that goes, is way behind where it used to be. But I still have no problem pulling in the sevens. Mm. Not an issue at all. So, But I think it's just the difference of the grip. I'm, I'm used right. to this grip, and I know how to do it. But And I can uh, pull 900-pound deadlift, and I still think farmers are always heavy. Yeah. So, oh, wow. You, you do your warm ups with like 150 on there and you're like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's, it's the fact that the, the farmers are, they're usually separate, separate yes. handles. Mm-hmm. So you, I can't do my under over grip like right. I like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. I just noticed more advanced lifters that some of the quote unquote standards I would use just utterly break down. Like yeah. they seem to be so programmed for 
speciality that they kind of break all the rules and it still works a lot of times. As long as you're doing something that's semi-intelligent. <laughs> Seems like specificity just tends to rule everything even more in that case. Like, I guarantee you there's people out there that are much smaller and not as strong as me that would kill me in, like, grippers. Yeah. I'm not very good at grippers. That's highly specific, too. Yeah, I'm not very good at grippers. I don't have a great crushing grip. I can hang onto a bar. I can close my hand and hang on really well. (laughs) My hand doesn't open. But as far as crushing grip goes, I'm not very good at it. And I honestly, I'm not sure it translates that well to just a static static hold. I haven't seen grippers translate to much of anything other than grippers in terms of grip stuff. That's just my bias. Well, you guys, let me play devil's advocate then. Because if specificity says, you know, there's not perfect transfer, you know, that you've got to actually do the task at hand, um, isn't this idea of not training heavy going against that a little? Like, I remember I was at a conference, God, years ago, it was in the 90s, and um, Hakkinen, you know, I was over in Finland and he was talking yeah. about the Olympic lifters who spend the most time in the 90% range um, mm. do the best as far as Olympic lifting teams, right? Now, well, yeah. I'm thinking this falls apart because of the size and the strength of you guys. Does that, is well, that fair? Well, it falls apart because of the it's a different sport. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Can you speak Olympic to that? Lifting is very, yeah, Olympic lifting is very dynamic. You're throwing weights. And especially as a snatch, it's much more technical. If you're not constantly getting in that 90% zone on such a technical lift, you're going to mess up. I okay. mean, mm-hmm. like my weightlifters, do t- we're lifting heavy until the day before the meet. Whereas my powerlifters, we back off and take almost a week off. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. So because they need to, Olympic weightlifters in those, they just need to stay honed in on that that specific skill. Like I can get a, my squat can move I can get an inch out of groove on a squat and save it. You mm. can't get an inch out of groove on a snatch and save it. You're um, not going to do it. You don't have – if you got 400 pounds over your head and it's an inch out in front, your delts and stuff aren't going to pull 400 pounds back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the difference. And uh, uh, and I think training – what we're talking about is, is still training very specific. I mean, it's just – if I move 700 pounds really fast for a double, I'm still generating as much force as I will with 800. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, oh, yeah. we're still being very specific in a squat, if that makes sense. No, it does. And I imagine, yeah. I mean, because I don't do Olympic lifts, right, I can only imagine that that skill set, like you're saying, is being in that 90% of your one rep max kind of range um, mm-hmm. what you're actually firing and when, and the whole skill thing, the whole movement pattern is really very specific to the heavy load versus the lighter load. Yeah. You know, and like you yeah. said, in powerlifting, it's it's not the, the um, I don't know what I'm looking for here. Uh, sophistication isn't the right word, but, you know, the um, pulling everything together plus or minus a centimeter like that, it just, it's not, as big a deal. So what you guys are doing are it's specific to the the three big lifts, obviously, but you're saying the form or what's required in the that in a meet isn't necessarily yeah. that different from the lighter loads, I guess. Well, and look at the loads. I mean, the heaviest load ever lifted in a clean and jerk is 586. The heaviest squat is you know approaching double that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would have like. Terry Ankle probably could have squatted 900 pounds 
because he can clean and jerk 586. I don't think any coach would have him squat 900 or 890 every day. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh yeah. In the 90 in the 90 percent range, they'll have him clean and jerk 500, but not do 90 percent of his squat max, mm-hmm. which is a totally different lift. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, the the two sports are are not the same. Like I wouldn't have okay, we got to meet tomorrow. You're squatting 100 percent, you know, mm-hmm. on on with one of my weightlifters even. Because that's going to beat you up in a different way than a dynamic lift will. Mm-hmm. So, so percent wise, is it um, before you do your taper right for the meet? Are you trying to, you know, hit like a, a ninety percent for a triple or something like that, or or how are you? What kind of opener ish? What we hit eight fifty five was the heaviest we went. Yeah, but just singles. Yeah, just eight fifty five yeah. or singles. Okay, yeah. So. And just just killing that. A lot, of, a lot of people like to do their try and do their opener for three reps, mm-hmm. but I, you know, that's that's kind of unrealistic. That'd really wear me out trying to do eight fifty five for a triple. Yeah, right. Well, and, and at the point you're at, and like I don't do it anymore either. A lot of my lifters, I will have them triple, and that's how we figure out their openers. But with with Brian, myself, and some of the more seasoned lifters, we just kind of know where we can open. <laughs> yeah. And all we do is get good at singles there. Like if I know, like for me, I, I was doing 705 the four weeks before the meet. I just did that four weeks in a row and had no issues. I know it's there. And I still hit 705 and jacked my hamstring up. You know, I, my hamstring out of the hole got jacked up and I still stood up with it. So, I mean, obviously it was an easy opener. So, right. You know, I can um, see, I can see how out. some people, they get a lot of confidence, especially maybe somebody who is a little less gifted or they're just getting their head around it that i effing tripled this you know a week yes. ago so i can yeah. definitely open with it but then yeah if you've got the confidence because you did it once then i guess yes. you don't need to triple it yeah you know? well and, and that's uh, like you said i think that's a lot of the, my new lifters it'll be okay you just tripled this two weeks ago you got it you know it's just setting their mind at ease you've done this for three let's just do it for one yeah you know? right so where we don't have the same nerves coming into a meet we don't need that backing behind us. It's like we just kind of know what we can do. We're going to go do it. And uh, I, don't, I don't need that, that hard, hard, hard triple. And, and honestly, part of it's to do with load, too. There's a difference in between having someone take 405 for a triple, if that's their triple max, than there is somebody taking 855 for a triple. Totally. And, yeah. the, and the amount, it'll beat you up. And the risk. You know, it's not worth the risk to have Brian go 855 for three two weeks before me. Because yeah. what if uh, the potential of going bad is much greater because the bad is going to be a lot worse. So, mm-hmm. And that's even true for uh, big dudes like Brian, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if something goes wrong with 900, it's Ooh. not going to be a little bit wrong. So, yeah. It's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. my other quick comment was that you're doing this all based on individual data, too, because even Brian said he's done, you know, four or five meets and Phil's done hundreds of meets. So you have data to show that, okay, last time I did this in training, I hit this in a meet. Yeah. So you can go back and go, oh, I'm 20 pounds above what I was doing in training before, so mm-hmm. I know I'm going in the right direction. Yes. Right? I think a lot of people try to spend a little bit too much time looking at that for their first meet. I'm like, just record, do what you can. And now your second meet, you've got that whole roadmap you can kind of iterate a little bit on in your fourth meet and fifth meet. So after a while, you kind of know if you're on track or you're off track. 
where the first couple times you're a little bit kind of shooting in the dark, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, the yeah, evidence. Because, you don't have the evidence. Yeah, you don't it. have the data to yeah. go, well, this is historically what happened. You, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. No, no. That's like with me. I mean, I can go in, like, next meat prep, which won't start until, like, next fall. Um, but I can tell you what I hit for five rep, three rep, one rep in, yep. like, box squat, banded squat, reverse yep. banded squat, pause squat, regular squat. <laughs> and I can, okay, I'm heading, I'm six pounds up, I'm 10 pounds up, whatever. I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. So I know where I need to be to, to top my previous best. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you and know I, what accessory work translates to. Oh, yeah. Because you know that if your box squat is X, you know, your full squat is probably somewhere around Y. Mm-hmm. Right? Where a lot of people initially, they don't have that. So they just yeah, they assume no that box squats will transfer, and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it depends on what what's wrong with them. Yeah. So what what their weaknesses are. Yeah, think about yeah. what this is going to do for you, Brian. Like over time, like you are going to have yeah. that evidence base, you know, of hard numbers. Like, well, I've just done this, and then this, and then this, and and then like Mike says, then you can extrapolate or add on or iterate that in some way to keep going up. Because I mean, your frame, your chassis is so big, you know, yeah. that. Yeah, having that kind of evidence. I mean, I wish politicians operated like that, right? <laughs> Instead of opinion-based decisions, how about evidence-based yeah. decisions? Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I mean, Brian, you can speak on this too, but I think a lot of it too is, you know, basically our goal at all times is let's go better our total. Even if, you know, basically we've added 50 pounds of meat or something like that to Brian's at a huge total. Um, oh yeah. I think a lot of people come out and they get too caught up in, like, we just asked you what your your newest goals are, and you didn't say world record. You said I want to do this and this and this, which was twenty five, thirty pounds more than last time. Mm-hmm. Whereas most people come in and they they go from from okay, I'm a good powerlifter to I want to beat Lillibridge, you know, <laughs> and they and they go crazy and they train like they don't play the long game; they're playing end game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I like playing the long game. Let's just beat you. And by beating you, like with Brian, by beating Brian, by having Brian beat Brian, he became the fifth person in history to do something. You know, we weren't concentrated on beating the top person. And I think that's where people mess up. They don't play the long game of just getting better than themselves. They start looking externally at the best and they think i need to beat them and this is what i got to do i got to grind myself to the ground to beat the best and then you see them three years later and they've had 17 injuries and you know they just they ground themselves to nothing whereas it's, if you take a little longer approach you'll be here for years doing it right and maybe it takes you five years but wow maybe you're the best now you know that's fun <laughs> to hear that powerlifters do that too because i could tell you so many young bodybuilders when you ask them what they want to do they say i want to be a pro oh Please, come on. <laughs> How about you <laughs> they do did one a, local, They did one local show, and now they want to be better than Ronnie Coleman. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, How about you so do a, a small-time non-national qualifier down, you know, in Columbus or something, <laughs> and then we'll go from there, you know, excited britches. So. Yeah, and they, well, I mean, even as far as, you know, like the show we talked about the other week, uh, performance anti drugs with somebody like that, they go from local show to and no gas to i want to beat ronnie coleman all the gas <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and like well this is what he takes i better take that holy crap uh, what about step one 
Right. What about the dabbling phase, right? (laughs) Something like that. You you don't go from a 405 squat to 905, you know, but that's what people start thinking. I hit 405. I think I can do it, you know, and they just grind themselves. And, you know, they're getting these ugly squats with 600, and now my knee and my hip shot, you know. Also, the locus of control, right, in terms of how much you can control on yourself, you can't control what externally happens either. No. No. Right. And there's something to be said about playing the long game and, like, let's add a little bit and not get hurt. And then next meet, we'll add a little bit more and not get hurt. And if you add 20 of those up, all of a sudden, you're really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what, you guys? Just just for fun, while we wind this down, I want to ask Brian, uh, can you give some examples? I just think this will be fun because you're you're naturally gifted. What's too heavy for you? Like, when you say most people train too heavy – what would you? What are you trying to avoid by not going too heavy? You yourself on the main lifts or accessories? Uh, I, whatever comes to mind. Uh, probably just when the form breaks down. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm a couple months out from a competition, you know, I don't really want to be pushing in the 800 pound squats or even the 800 pound deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you know, if I'm doing barbell rows or. Uh, you know, any any move it, I could do at the YMCA, doing all my bodybuilding stuff, I, I like to, you know, too heavy would be something where probably you fail before you start to feel your muscles getting pumped. Oh. You know, if I'm, let's say I'm doing pull downs and I start, I, I want to do a set of 20 and I I get 10 reps in and then my biceps start to take over. Well, then that's too heavy. But, uh, no, I yeah, think I it's know. good. That's a good rule of thumb. Or, yeah. or, I mean, like he said, I mean, he alluded to it. He didn't exactly say it. But in a main lift, if you can't do it right, like perfectly right, it's too heavy for training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, training is about doing it right. You don't see golfers going out there and hitting shitty balls to yeah. train. You know, their goal is to hit it perfect. So Right. And including, I think, Brian's approach of, you know, which prime movers, which major muscles should be taking the load, you know, for your shape and size and and all that sort of thing. You know? Oh, just what, what primary muscles are involved on everybody's lifts. Yeah. Because I, I squat narrow foot, and my squats are a little more quad dominant. Mm-hmm. Where somebody that squats wide is going to have a little more glute and hamstring. Yeah, but you have the quads to take that. Yeah, that's so, what I do. Yeah. <laughs> but the awareness, too, yeah. you know, that kind of bodybuilder-esque awareness of, I know how to feel my quads versus i don't know my adductors or something and you know while we're while we're still there though talking about not training too heavy i'd had a been getting a lot of messages on instagram you know everybody's like hey can you help me this is what i do every day one guy is saying he's, he works up to a, a max five uh, as many reps as possible squat every time he squats oh. wow you know yeah. and that he said it was like at like a 90 percent but then he'll, after he does that, he'll take a little, you know, twenty-minute break, and then do some five by fives on his squats, and, and then after that, and I was like, dude, that's your problem. After that, <laughs> he, he says if he he says he's lucky if he can even carry himself out of the gym at the yeah. end, and that's oh, that's oh. an issue. Yeah, no, that's that's just too much. You don't even want to do as many reps as you can. No, especially not at ninety percent. I think it'd be fun. It'd be a challenge at fifty or sixty. But, you know, as many reps as you can at 50 or 60 is going to have a way different load on your body than yes. as many reps as you can at 90 or 95. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a 
I'm a big fan of keeping a rep or two in the hole, you know, and sure there's times there's, there's, there's times to strike when the iron's hot, like two weeks out from the meet, my plan was to take seven Oh five for one. So I took it and it was way stupid easy. So I yelled at my training partners. I got two, I, you know, and, you know, and so I took two and it was easy, but I stopped there, you know, so there's times to, to deviate and go crazy, but you should still be crushing it. I mean, who was it that took thousand for a double? Uh, Freaking Kowalski. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he stood there. He's like, "I just want to hold it." But then, what did he do in the meet? He didn't hit it. Yeah. You know? So when when does it count the most? Sure, he was lucky someone was there with the camera, but uh, but still on the platform, it didn't happen. So was that detrimental? Potentially. Probably. Yeah. Probably was. You know. Yep. So. But. I get a lot of messages from guys too, asking, you know, telling me what they're doing and talking about gym gym maxes. And it's like, you know, if you're even doing gym maxes, you're you're doing the whole powerlifting thing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't know. I always say you shouldn't even know what your max is until at the competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can have an idea. You know, I want this, but um, like for me, that's the only time I max. The only time I max is on the platform. Now, some of my lifters that don't compete, of course, we have to test things at times Yeah. Um, to see where they're at. But a lot of times that's like the whole wrestling team just got done uh, maxing, and I do have them go to triples. So it's like we don't need to do a max single. They're not a freaking lifter. They're a wrestler. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. as long as their triple's going up, and usually a triple's a lot safer than a, uh, than a single because if rep one goes starts looking bad, we can call it, you know, right. before yeah. – before something does go bad, but yeah, we have assessments on most clients I have who are not competitive lifters. It's like, okay, just do your best you can on a three to five rep max. Yeah, you know, if you thought it was going to be a three and you end up getting five pretty easily, cool, great, it, great. awesome. Yeah, you don't have to exactly even hit three or four. It's just it gives them a range of something that's not a, a max all out single. So yes, they went too heavy. They only got two. All right, cool. You only got two. That's fine. You're not I don't expect yourself to try to get one. I don't think people appreciate how taxing a true single is. Oh, you know? yeah. You know, it's, it's bad. <laughs> you know? There's a reason we all feel like crap the week after a meet. You're just tapped. Yeah. You know? It's done. Yeah. So, you find it's only... just exponential too. Like you could hit ninety five percent and have it be hard, and you're, you know, kind of you're a little bit tired. But to hit a true hundred percent, like it's way different. Just that oh, last yeah. few percentage is like a another world. Well, especially as a seasoned lifter that's into it, because you'll see, like generally somebody new, they'll push a little bit and they're like, oh, I don't have it. Yeah. A seasoned lifter will go. And push and push and push and push, you know. So you're grinding something crazy, and you know you got somebody grinding with 800 plus. Oh. oh man, they're they're just fried. So and then they try to 500 after it, and it won't move. Yeah, because <laughs> so, they've just tapped everything. Everything's done. Yeah. So, but hi guys, I think it's been a good time. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Brian. We really appreciate you sharing everything. Thanks, thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, it was fun. So we'll pass this around and get it out there. So everybody have a good weekend. Later. Go. Cool. See you guys.
Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. Uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind. Things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.